0: Hello, what's up? I'm a couple of days late, but this works out perfectly because today is July 13th, and it was July 13th a year ago that I sat down and decided to do this weekly. So it's going to be Tuesday. I was busy. Well, not busy. Sunday, I just relaxed and took a day off, which is nice (laughs) to have a full full day just to kind of relax do nothing have zero commitment and just do nothing but today yes so it has been one year so what is that 52 weeks of doing this sitting down recording weekly um, and just whether it had a subject no subject whatever um, I've kept myself to a schedule I've stayed to the commitment of doing this weekly, um, give or take, obviously. Um, I think I'd thrown a couple in there that were not a Saturday or Sunday. I can't even remember, but the weekly generally happened. And so it's been interesting. Um, let's pull up stats. So I am hosted on SoundCloud. And so it's pretty neat. They have a stats section. And so I can bring it up and pick any two dates in time and take a look at pretty much how much I've been listened to in that period of time. How many likes, how many shares, comments, all that stuff. And so I put in July 13th of last year to today. And so, and I think I've mentioned this before, the June of 2020, I had 10 complete listens in that whole month and i think in july at the beginning i was looking at it and was it worth it granted it's twelve fifteen dollars a month for unlimited hosting and unlimited is a huge thing and i wasn't using it um granted before that i would just record when someone was able to come over and i could have a face-to-face conversation i had tried a few um, very specific topic ones. Um, some are good, some are bad. One of them is still in the top listened to them or in the top five listened to in the last year. Um, one is the one where I talked about me getting DNA testing done and kind of the weirdness of that and then the journey you go into after kind of learning what your true kind of DNA heritage is. So that's kind of neat that that's the third most listened to. And then, I don't know why, but I had done another one. Um, I guess it would have been over a year ago-ish that there was a kind of... How do you even... It's, there was this match that everyone was trying to track down on the internet between Bret Hart and... Uh, kind of relative unknown guy now called Tom McGee and about how it was this amazing match and how Tom McGee was supposed to be the next like Hulk Hogan in people's minds and how Bret Hart led him through this really good solid match and it kind of switched their trajectories and so it's weird that me talking about kind of the mythos of that match um and how it turned into a documentary or a mini documentary after, and I think one of like the wrestling kind of conventions brought both of them in for a panel, even <laughs> it's weird how one little match kinda got a life of its own, but that was in the top listened ones, and then the other ones were just random, like the first one that I did July thirteenth is in the top five um and then yeah, just some other random weekly ones but it's been a year it doesn't feel like it at all but I don't think anyone would admit this last year feels like a year at all it's that kind of pandemic blur oops I said alarm (laughs) Um, it's just that haze of was it a year and just when it all blends together it's just one big day and so it'll be neat to kind of look back like just looking at these stats is pretty cool so like i said the initial june um had 10 and so when i look at just i started on the 13th so from july 13th to the end of that month i'd already got over 100 and i just i seemed to go along on this 100 trajectory for a while or the average kind of per month and it would go up and down um and then started kind of averaging around the 150 range and now since may now it's always over 200 now it was almost 500 last month and it's already 300 on the 13th of this month so i'm not sure and i think i've said this before i'm not sure how the let alone soundcloud because it has radio stations and it plops in people's podcasts On if you just hit a random podcast button. So I don't know how much play I get with that or with being consistent if they throw my stuff in more for people to listen to. But now in a year, I've had 2,583 plays, which is insane when you think about the 10 for that one month, because that would have been 120 if I kept going. If any, it may have died even harder after that. So it's nuts and I'm gonna it's funny and I've been back and forth on whether I should keep doing this and I may um we'll see (laughs) I would like to have people over but maybe those can just be different things I gotta once again now that things are slowly reopening kind of reassess how I want to do this what I want to do with it maybe with it open try and do weekly with a guest that's kind of pushing it maybe go bi-weekly I'll have to figure it out but it's cool it's really amazing what just kind of doing it and using the tools and kind of putting something out there and putting me out there um maybe because I guess the internet's forever maybe someday excuse me um, someday when I'm long and gone, maybe my kid will have <laughs> the desire to listen to dad's rambling someday. Um, yeah, cool stuff. Um, and I believe last time, <clears throat> I think the one thing that was on my mind and I was holding it off for this week is I keep getting in my kind of tailored news feed every day that, The 30th anniversary of Metallica's Black Album is coming up um, August 12th. So we're a month away from the release of that. But I believe singles started coming out before that. So actually, let's take a look. Enter Sandman. When did that? Because I swear that came out ahead of time. Um, Yeah. uh, released July twenty ninth, ninety one. So yeah, it came out a bit early, and it had the Stone Cold Crazy cover song as the B side on the cassette. <laughs> and I remember buying that. I was full in on Metallica by that time, but I don't think a lot of people were like all in on them. I think Injustice for All got them some traction but I don't think it made them mainstream. I remember them specifically going out of their way to make the music video for one. I think their quote was they didn't want a bubblegum rock video where they're just prancing around on the stage for when they went to do their first music video. And one, (laughs) an amazing choice to scare the shit out of people because this would have been... Uh, Justice would have been 89, now I'm second guessing all my thinking on this Uh, and Justice for All so that album was 88, September 88, and so I'm not sure how soon after the video for one, or if it preceded or not but still, they were considered thrash or heavy metal, they weren't your mainstream thing but the. At least with the MTV and up here the much music kind of era I think they were specific like headbanger ball or whatever the metal show was um, would at least feature metal videos and one I think is what made them noticed if people just because back then you would just put much music on all the time in the background with what you were doing and if you were young like 88 fuck I would have been in grade 9 or 10 was I? 88 14 Jesus um grade 9 yeah and so for what's probably a at the time especially a terrifying music video of a man with no arms no legs can't talk can't hear like it's just a living shell um Still, that notion to this day is pretty terrifying. And they took it from a book that one of them had read. And so I guess what I wanted to get to is they weren't mainstream (laughs) at all, in the least. And the Black Album, so 30 years ago, kind of blew up. It wasn't, it was metal, but it wasn't, it was very polished. At least to me, it was very polished. But once again, And Justice For All had a very weird sound to it if you're a metal person you know exactly what i'm talking about a lot of people say the drums sound tinny there's no bass to them at all um, they're not it just doesn't sound like normal drums especially with their um preceding albums of master of puppets ride the Lightning, and kill them all um where they were full-on just thrash and had a very just everything was produced the way you would expect it to and then Justice For All had this really weird um, sound to it. The drums just... And it came down to the drums or else the bass seemed non-existent. And so it had a weird sound to it. Um, it was also the first studio album with... Well, full studio album with Jason. So I don't know if that was something... Um, I'm not the super fan that I used to be. So I'm sure they've delved deep into this multiple times. But I just, nowadays, I just don't eat, sleep, and breathe a band like I used to. When you're young, you have your band. You kind of strap yourself onto them and you go for a ride. And Metallica was a hell of a ride for me. I got on um, the train during Master of Puppets. Um, And then I remember buying... Gradge Days, the original one uh, or re-revisited and then I remember having to because it's just it was a smaller time in a smaller town, right? And so I remember having to borrow a copy of Ride the Lightning cassette from someone in high school that was in, kind of in the metal group of people and then I think I had to buy Kill Them All but it was just it wasn't something on the forefront because when you live in top 40 radio land, that's what you get. And so I still remember exactly my thoughts and feelings and kind of the wow I had the first time that I pressed play on master of puppets, which was my first introduction to this band. Um, And then just going forward and going backwards and forwards through their catalog and, Um, as a teenager falling in love with this aggressive um, heavy thrash metal sound and to this day that's still my favorite type of metal (laughs) and god knows there's fuck what is there like a bajillion different like subcategories of metal now but metal's metal right it's just heavy music there's i don't care if it's thrash industrial um fuck Goth or whatever—all the different fucking subtypes are. Um, the one where they scream their fucking lungs out. I don't know how their fucking heads don't explode. But, um, but this style—the who would you put in there? Megadeth, Metallica, Anthrax, Slayer, um, Exodus, um, Pantera. Later would come along and be a good thrash band, or at least probably in that category. Um, that's what I liked. It was just thrash. I guess speed is another category, but it was just fast, aggressive, and um, there was layers of very kind of intricate music in there. Like, you'd have this vicious song, or, like, heavy, like, just Master of Puppets, and it would have this beautiful kind of interlude in the middle, and you'd have these completely unconventional eight-minute songs, but they they would be heavy. They would have... Um, a lot of them would have politically or socially relevant topics underneath it all and then there would always be these very beautiful um, melodic intervals in the middle and that's the stuff I loved and so it was weird because um, I don't know if anyone else has this you kind of there's the mainstream stuff. And then when you kind of come across something, not many other people like it, and it kind of becomes your little thing that you like, like, this is my thing. And you almost have, like, um, an entitlement. Fuck, I hate that word. But, like, um, it. I felt like it belonged more to me than just the general masses. And back to the Black Album and with them getting involved with Bob Rock, who... Had produced some huge fucking albums like the first one off the top of my head leading up to black album is he made dr Good for molly crew and then after that i believe he had the pinnacle album for veruca salt eight arms to hold you like he had this like musical touch of gold where he could bring i don't know if it's the best out of you but he would make you almost more commercially appealing so maybe that is bringing the best out of you and making you an all-around likable band product whatever but him getting his hands on Metallica like I remember watching I can't remember what the making of but there is a making of at the time it would have been a VHS tape um, of the whole making of the Black Album and just Bob Rock's involvement and kind of him being a f- kind of a fifth piece to the band, where in the past I think they came in and there was just studio engineers that probably recorded stuff. I can't s- guarantee that, but it feels like the band already had things in stone and just recorded it and maybe tinkered a bit in the studio. Um, or it could be full of shit. But the Black Album is truly way more... Like, to me, it seems more polished, more perfect, um, just more hyper-produced, and it sounded less dirty, like heavy metal did in that um, 80s period when all these kind of California bands um, came out of nowhere and kind of did their thing. (laughs) And so, yeah, it just, it was weird having... Like I said, I kind of felt like they were my little cool secret for a band that I enjoyed that no one else was listening to. And then all of a sudden um, this album comes out during the summer and then I roll in for a New Year's school. And there's I vividly remember it was like the high school girls volleyball team was um, having a practice with the inner Sandman single just clipping back and forth over on this auto autoplaying. Um, stereo with just Enter Sandman and then Stone Cold Crazy and, then inner- and they were just playing it on repeat while practicing and at the time to me it's, it's fucking unreal that just everybody is listening to this band that was kind of this off to the side because metal was off to the side right like hair like hair metal was probably the more preferred kind of thing and just more accessible like maybe Guns and Roses was the heaviest you would get but then you'd have your kind of glam stuff like I said you had your Motley Crue's your warrants your poisons um, early 80s would have been um, quite right for heavy um, I guess you'd have Maiden and Judas Priest for more of the hardcore people but even that wasn't like on the surface of what everyone listened to I'm sure it was there for the metal people that were always kind of maybe had the cool older brothers and sisters that were kind of lucky enough to get to hear this music as it was happening. But like I said, I didn't get that kind of early exposure to it, right? And so it's weird watching how the Black Album pretty much made um, metal metal and a very like North American metal band the center of everything and then all of a sudden you have Metallica on the Grammys which was crazy like I think it was the 1991 or two Grammys where you have Metallica performing live along with other bands like Van Halen who are like kind of more of your traditional just like I said bubblegum rock bands like TV friendly and just like jumping around on stage I think it was what had just come out for them um, for unlawful carnal knowledge. So you have them, yeah, like rocking out pound cake and then Metallica comes out and kind of hammers into Enter Sandman. And it just, it was a strange time to kind of shift into metal. And then it's kind of metal had escalated, right? So it's like you got your traditional kind of harder rock and then you get into your like glammy stuff and then even harder rock and then Metallica kind of, turned it up even another notch and even then the year after that Megadeth comes out with Countdown to Extinction and Symphony of Destruction and um Metal even goes up another notch and I think those two bands competing with each other kind of also helped ramp it up and just made the quality of metal in that period really really good even anthrax and slayer were fucking bang on during that time and just great albums um and metal was in a really it was the eyes were on it and it was in a very probably a more polished place but it was in a good place too and i think a lot would argue with me then right after that you the world or at least our part of the world rolled into grunge music and um, went away, and heavy metal kind of went back to being more of a, a subculture. And then <laughs> in the late 90s, you had the, the rap metal. So it was it's just not the same. Like, even Sad But True ended up being a sample for Kid Rock's American Badass, right? So it's like weird times. And then you had your Limp Biscuits and stuff like that. There were metal rap, which kind of thankfully is not a thing at least that I hear but it was a turning point too because then once Bob Rock was a part of Metallica's kind of production vein or whatever um, then you had Load and Reload come out which to me and it's weird because I've described this to friends around me where of my favorite bands of all time. You have Metallica, you have Faith No More, and then, I don't know if you call it a band, Beastie Boys, because they're more... Well, no, they have instruments too and a lot of stuff, but, like, that would be my three big things to listen to, right? All right. (laughs) I stopped. There was a yapping dog outside. Um, Those would be my big ones for young influences. Um, But it's funny because... I love Faith No More for their ability to do anything. And then, like, they have every kind of song that you can imagine in any style. And Mike Patton, to this day, is still that way. He does everything, from Italian pop to... um, He did a cover of Roots, Blood, He Roots, right? Like, he does everything. And I love him for that. And I love Faith No More for their variety of music. And then when Metallica... Went into load and reload and started doing non-metal stuff. It, I started to drift and it just. I wanted them to be that um, round peg in the round hole that was thrash metal for the rest of time. And it's so funny how your um, conceived perception of a band and what you wanted them kind of warps how you feel about them. Um, it didn't change the fact that after that. I would go on to see Metallica live six times um 97 and then I then I've gone with six different people which is kind of neat to um I went with uh my sister of all people she took me to a concert in 97 cuz they were in a city that she lived in and then in 03 0203 um I saw them three times um the saint anger tour um and then i would have seen them three more times um i think one two three no two more times to get up to six um with the death magnetic tour um but by that point they were already down to like being the established 30 year old grizzled vets that we they know to play the hits right um, and then of course Anderson is always the encore because that's what made them the big radio friendly stars. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because it doesn't feel like thirty years. Um, but of course they're going like five, six, seven, eight years between albums. And when you think about it, Kill em All to Ride the Lightning to Master of Puppets is probably what a year to eighteen months between those three albums and they're probably considered the big three albums for them, for the hardcore fans. I know I've talked to people, um, who are music, air quotes, music people. And they whenever I would bring up Metallica, it was my band and they would kind of roll their eyes and be like, we stopped listening around justice. And it's like, it is what it is. And at the end of the day, I, I like what I like from each of the libraries. I'm, I do enjoy the new albums. Um, but they don't go on permanent repeat anywhere. Maybe I'm just worn out on them. Who knows? Um, but I tend to kind of binge and then hate <laughs> certain things, right? Like I pretty much listened to a lifetime of them. And then I went back to Faith No More around the time they reunited in 2011-ish and kind of binged hard on their whole catalog. And then their new album that came out. And now it's weird. I've been on, once again, a Beastie Boys kick. Because I think I had mentioned in an earlier podcast how at the time Paul's Boutique was not kind of looked at fondly. And now when I listen to it over again, like the genius of layering all those, like you can go on YouTube and just look up all the samples that are in Paul's Boutique and just their ability to create a rap and layer all these different samples together to create a song now in retrospect i think it's brilliance but i remember at the time in high school it was like yeah but i was already completely shifted into listening to metal at the time too anyways i'm rambling <laughs> again so yeah coming up right away 30 years of the black album um huh. yeah it's they have a c- I think, what is it, 57 different cover versions from different bands that are doing all, so there's 12 songs in the album, so everyone kind of grabbed a song from that. So there's going to be 57 bands doing tribute cover versions um, in the reissue. So I guess if it goes on Spotify, I'll listen to it. I've listened to a few of the clips already, and it's weird hearing everything from like country, hip-hop, and just plain rock take spin their takes on this classic album that kind of shot this band from just being one of the heavy metal bands to being probably one of the most successful bands in American history now and they just happen to be kind of if you say heavy metal they would probably be one of the first bands people would name so cool um yeah i'll talk to you soon we're going to keep trying the weekly thing for a while yet we'll see And hopefully we can get other human voices in here again sometime. Um, Happy reopening.